Well, I hope everybody is doing well. Everybody have a, a good week. Everybody have a, a good time enjoying the weather. It's been a, a great week. I get to, to play some golf this week, which is always a, a fun time. And, uh, and when the weather's this nice, I don't know why you're not playing golf, frankly. But um, it was a, a really good week. And um, I had a good time this week, really, in, in my study time that uh, the message that we're going to get into today. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is something that um, might really help some of us in, in, in whatever you might be going through right now. And, and maybe you're not going through much of anything right now, but who knows in, in a week or two or a month or two what might pop up. And, and so I really think these principles are, are really going to help us today. So I'm excited to get into it. And um, the, the, the way this really came about as it so often does for me, is, is really just by um, my own life experience. So often that's how it happens where I'm going through something. And so I, I dig in and I do some studying and I learn something new and then I'm excited to share it with everybody. And so that's kind of, of what has happened today. But um, I don't know if any of you guys do this, but what I was doing as I was trying to do a little self-reflection on, um, on, on kind of some of the things that I've been doing in my life, the maybe my perspective and the decisions I've been making, the actions that I've been taking, some of the habits that I have created. Sometimes it's a scary thing to look at some of the, the bad habits that you've created in your life. And, and I was doing that um, just recently, and I started to get a little bit um, annoyed with myself at some of the things that I have allowed to kind of build up in my life. I don't know if sometimes that happens, but you start to look at your decisions and the things that you're doing. It's annoying sometimes. Like, why can't I be better? Why can't I overcome this? And one of the things that I, I've been dealing with lately and noticing in my life is just a great deal of impatience. I've just been like so impatient lately. And, and it's annoying to me. It frustrates me because I don't want that to be the case. And we see the fruit of the Spirit includes patience. So I want that to be something that bears itself out in my life. But, but I started to realize, um, you know, just in, in practical ways, I'm, you know, driving down the highway and I'm not trying to get anywhere quick. It, you know, I, I might be early even. And, and yet if somebody's driving slow in the fast lane, I'm like losing my mind, like go, go, right? I don't even have to go anywhere any, anytime soon. And yet I just get impatient. It like wells up within me. Um, I, I watch YouTube videos a lot. And I've noticed that like if a five second advertisement comes up, I'll, you know, make my way through that and move on. But if it's like 15 seconds, I don't have time for that. Like the, the extra 10 seconds is just, it's, it's waste of my time. And this happens over and over again, even in quarantine. And maybe you guys did this as well, but we ordered food through like DoorDash or Grubhub to where on your phone, you order the food, they bring it right to your house. You don't move a muscle. And I started to realize, even as convenient as that is, if the food didn't show up in like 30 minutes, I'm getting frustrated, right? Like, I'm, I'm hungry, I don't have to move a muscle, but I'm still impatient over something so ridiculous. Over and over again, I could see this coming about in, in my perspective. So I started to think about it a little bit, and I started to realize how much of our culture really does push us in this direction. We, we've, we've created so much impatience in our hearts, like if you think about it, whether it's in business or whether it's in your personal life, so much of what you're working at and trying to accomplish is to make something more efficient, 
right? This is really one of the main endeavors for any business is to, to make something more efficient. And the rate at which we're progressing in this area is, is pretty astonishing. Like the, the new processes and, and, and the, the new efficiencies that we're seeing, technology and innovation, it's amazing what is coming about. And, and mostly it's great. Like I, I love that I can sit on the couch, don't have to move a muscle, basically have the food placed in my hands. I love that. I love that I don't have to wait in the grocery line for 15 minutes, but I can self-check out and move right on. Like I love that stuff. But at the same time, there is a downside to it as well. And I think, I think what can happen is we can uh, see this as a bit of a, a detriment on down the road because what happens is the more and more efficient that we make things and the more and more we chisel away at, at the waiting times and at the delayed gratification, the more and more conditioned we become to these immediate results that we get. We become conditioned to just expect that. And in and of itself, that doesn't sound all that bad, but the problem is, is what happens over the course of time is you create generations of people who only know the experience of these immediate results. Like the only thing that you know is the instant outcome that you receive. And then as a result, we greatly lack patience. And I would say even more important than that is you create generations of people that lack patience, you create generations of people that lack perseverance. I think that's the bigger problem that comes down the line because if you think about it, if you're conditioned to, to expect these quick results, then what need do you have or what experience do you have at persevering through any sort of struggle? That's not something that you have to do. It's not something that you have experience with. It's not something that you're familiar with. And so then what happens is, is if the drive through line is too long or, or if the advertisement, God forbid, is more than 10 seconds, then we're just conditioned to move right on. We're just gonna, we're moving on. This is a waste of, of my time. If that instant gratification isn't there, we're not going to persevere. And these are obviously tiny little examples that I'm talking about, but, but what happens is over the course of time, this can begin to, to seep into our identity. As we live this way and as we really kind of feel entitled in this way, it just keeps seeping in. And then all of a sudden, this is something that begins to affect our relationships, and like if somebody doesn't shape up quick enough or if somebody doesn't realize their airs quick enough, then we just want to move on. We're done. We, we don't have time for that. Our behavior begins to be affected and our attitude is affected. And, and really, most importantly, this can affect our relationship with God. And although we say that we trust him, as soon as something bad happens, we run away. We don't persevere. And although we say he's all-powerful, uh, we look at our situations as if they're impossible. If we don't get that immediate result from him, we're done. There's no determination if we don't get the instant results. And I think this is really something that has really negatively impacted us in this kind of 21st century world that we live in. Like, there's no value anymore in just like pushing through the obstacles, trying to, to learn from the difficult times in our life. We, we don't do that anymore. There's no patience. There's no endurance. There's no perseverance. And so this is what I want to talk about today because I think we desperately need to understand how we can do these things from a biblical standpoint. Even in this instant gratification world that we're living in, how can we overcome? How can we persevere through whatever life throws our way? And so what we're going to do is we're going to dig into 
um, what some people call the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. I've actually heard some, some theologians, some really good speakers say this is the greatest chapter in the Bible. So we're going to dig into Romans chapter 8. So if you want to write this down, if you want to pull out your app, whatever you want to do to follow along, that would be great. But I want to dig into this and see what we can apply to our lives so that we can persevere in our suffering. That's what we're talking about today, persevering in the suffering, okay? Can we pray one more time before we get into this? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we want to come before you today and just draw closer to you, Lord. We want to we want to break through and figure out exactly what we need to, to learn and understand and apply to our lives so that we can be people that persevere, that we can be persistent, that we can be strong, that, that the things that are thrown our way in this life do not throw us off the track of what you have for us, but that we can understand what is really going on. I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds. I pray that you would remove any distractions. I pray that you would move in this room and speak to us in a way that draws us closer to you and makes us more and more like you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and, and dig into this. We are going to be reading from the book of Romans. And so just really, really quick uh, background here. Um, this is a book that is written by a man named Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Uh, we talk quite a bit about him around here. I love his perspective. I love his writings. And so I'm always excited to to dig in, but this is simply a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's trying to give them some, some wisdom and some insight into how they are to live their lives as God's people. And so when we get into the section that we're going to be reading today, he has now spent seven chapters just giving them beautiful insight into to things like peace and, and justification and, and faith, just some really core principles that he wants them to understand. And so when we turn the corner to chapter 8 here, he's about to get into um, a really interesting principle that we're going to discuss today. So we're going to start in Romans 8. This is verse 16. So follow along with me. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Okay, now I want to stop there real quick because I really like what Paul is, is doing here. Because what Paul is trying to get the Roman people to understand is that above and beyond anything else, this is your identity. Okay, this, this is who you are. So listen, you are a child of God. That's your identity. That's who you are. So before we go any further, I want to set this in front of your eyes. Okay, I love that he's doing this because he's going to get into some tough conversations and he wants to make sure that we're holding tight to what is most important. In fact, we started in verse 16 here, but the first 15 verses, he really just continues to reiterate this idea of identity, of, of who we are. He says, Christ Jesus has now set you free. You are free. If Christ is in you, you are alive. By the Spirit, you will live over and over again. This is your identity. This is who you are. He doesn't want them to get caught up in the weeds of what he's about to get into. He wants to make sure their perspective is in the right place first, okay? So again, he says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, and this is where he turns the corner now into some tough conversations. He says, if 
Indeed, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So we are heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with him. And so through 17 verses now, this is what he has said. He's saying, you're free, okay? You're alive in the spirit. You are a child of God. So I want you to hold on to that. I want you to keep a tight grip on that because you are gonna go through some things. So, so keep this first and foremost. Remember your identity, but you're gonna have to endure some things in this life. You're gonna have to go through some things. It's not that you might, it, it, it's going to happen and he has no problem hitting them straight with it. You're going to go through some suffering in this life. Now, I find this really interesting um, when it comes to kind of the Christian narrative because I think for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure how this has happened or why this has happened, but, but I think that there are people who are, who are motivated towards the Christian life because they actually think that it's going to lead to a life of ease and, and, and of comfort and of, and of simplification, right? And, and, and I think that's kind of the motivating factor for, for so many. Maybe this will curry up favor with the universe, or maybe this will shift the karma in my direction if, if I take these priorities. And I understand that motivation, but the problem is that is not at all how the Bible speaks of the life of a Christ follower. So I'm not... Don't mean to burst your bubble, but that's not at all what the Bible talks about. Go look at the life experiences of the people that God used most throughout Scripture because it's not a pretty picture. It's a picture of of pain and of sin and of suffering. It's a pain of anguish. We look at Abraham and Moses and David and the apostles. All of these stories, shortcomings and pain and suffering and death. I mean, even the Son of God comes to earth only to be beaten and killed on a cross. Like, it's not a a pretty picture. It's not this pretty middle-class picture that we have in our heads today. And I think that only serves to, to push people away from the Christian pursuit because there are unmet expectations. When I give my life to Christ, all of a sudden my life isn't perfect. I don't get what's happening. It only serves to pull people away from God. But I think there's an even more important message here that we need to take because I think this is something that might renew some of our hope and some of our faith as we try to draw closer to God because what we see in the Bible here from these amazing people, I want you to catch this, what we see from them, and ultimately the terrible things that they had to endure and overcome, ultimately means that the suffering and the pain and the anguish that you're going through does not disqualify you as a child of God. It doesn't disqualify you. Like if you think that the things you're going through is God's way of getting back at you, or if you think that it proves that, that he's not going to use you, you can't believe that. Your pain and your anguish do not disqualify you. In fact, Paul here says that might just be confirmation that you're a child of God. You are fellow heirs with Christ if indeed you suffer with him. So if you are a child of God, you can expect some suffering. And what Paul says is is rather than letting that discourage you, I want it to remind you of who you are. I want it to remind you of who is with you, like the next time you get knocked down, I want the first thing to pop up in your mind is, this is confirming I'm a child of God. He's preparing me, he's, he's equipping me. He's trying to set me up 
for what is to come. See, this is why Paul spent 16 verses reminding us of who we are because what he wants us to understand is that our suffering is not meant to destroy us. It's not meant to to break us. That's not God's will. You have to remind yourself of who you are. You are a child of God. That's the perspective we need to have as we go through these things. But the question becomes, what exactly do I do with these sufferings? How can I cope with these things? How can I deal with these things in my life? And so we have to go back to verse 17 for a second because Paul brings about a really interesting principle. He says, yes, you're gonna go through some suffering, but watch what he says next. We suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So why, why do we go through the suffering? So that we may also be glorified with him. Now, this is where Paul takes the turn into some really interesting stuff because now he's gonna start to show us what we can do with this suffering, how we can cope with this, how we can deal with this mess that we're in. And here's his first suggestion. Very simply, he wants us to see the bigger picture. He wants us to, to see what's really going on here. We suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So the first way that we cope with this and ultimately overcome the suffering is by reminding ourselves of the bigger picture, that one day we will be glorified with him. In fact, watch what he says in the next verse. And this is one that anytime you're going through anything, you can go back to. I promise you, it will give you the perspective you need. Verse 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. This this suffering right now that I'm going through is not even worthy to be compared with what is coming in my life. Now, he brings up this word glory again, and and there's actually a twofold meaning that he's trying to bring to light, and and we're gonna get into that because I think it brings about some really interesting implications. But the primary meaning of glorification is is what I've alluded to already, which is that one day we're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. This is what Paul is trying to get us to understand. We will be lifted. We will be glorified with him. I think this is the primary sense of what he's trying to get us to understand. So the first thing that he does is he's going to offset the idea of our present sufferings, all the things that we're going through, all the daily struggles we're dealing with. He's going to offset that with the idea of eternity and heaven. And the conclusion that he quickly comes to is, what's the comparison? What what, what is the comparison? He literally says, all of the suffering that I'm enduring right now, and, and I'll remind you, Paul was somebody that suffered greatly. As much as anyone in the New Testament, he suffered deeply, but all of that pain and all of that heartache and distress is not even worthy of being compared to what is to come. It doesn't just compare. It's not even worthy of talking about. It's not even worthy of a discussion. Like, where do you even start with that comparison? It's almost like trying to compare like $1 with a billion dollars. Like, what are we talking about? Where do we even start with that? There's no comparison. And so what he's saying is, in the grand scheme of things, when you get the whole perspective, the suffering that you're currently enduring isn't even worth comparing with your future in heaven. No discussion. It's not even in the the same neighborhood. What is to come is so great that it's not even comparing with what we're dealing with today. This is 
something that, that we need to cling to more than we do. That's not a perspective that I think many of us have in our daily lives when we're going through things. And I think it serves to hurt us when we try to overcome what's thrown at us. Now, I know that's not an easy perspective to have. I know it's not easy when you're in the middle of a, a problem to try to remember the whole perspective of what's going on. But sometimes you do have to remind yourself of what your future is. You have to encourage yourself with, with what your future looks like. You are literally going to spend eternity in heaven with God. And so what could possibly happen today that compares with that? Paul says nothing. Nothing compares with that perspective. So he wants us to see the bigger picture, okay? See the bigger picture. Now, again, this idea of glorification does have a slightly different angle that he's trying to get at as well that also helps us and how we can persevere through the suffering. So let's go back to verse 17 for a second. This is what he said. We suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So I want you to catch this. When he says this, he has in mind an active sense of glorification that we overlook sometimes. In fact, this is how he puts it in verse 29. He says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. And so catch this, as we are conformed to the image of the son, or you might say, as we are made more and more like Christ, there is glory that is actively being brought about. It's happening now. It's happening today. It's something that we have to understand. And so here's the second suggestion that Paul has in mind here. He wants us to grow in the process. He wants us to, to grow, be conformed, be more and more like Christ. He wants us to grow in the suffering. So don't stall out. Don't, don't wallow in the mess that you're in. Try to figure out how you can grow through it. Now, again, I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is a perspective that so many of us struggle with today. Um, because we are so conditioned to expect the, the instant gratification, there's no focus, there's no joy, there's no growth in the process. It's just not something that, that we're used to. We don't like that. We don't like having to work for or wait for or find joy in that process. We don't revel in that. And the problem is in our spiritual lives, that becomes a big problem because so much, listen, so much of what God is trying to do in your life happens in that process. He's a, he's a process kind of guy. Watch what, what scripture says in a couple of cases that show us this. It says, he who began a good work in you will perfect it. So catch this, there's a beginning work that happens, there's a perfect end that happens, and in the middle, there's a process. He says this, we are being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. So from one degree of glory to the next, and to the next, and to the next. There's a process. And so what Paul is advocating is rather than focusing on the, the pain and the suffering, learn and grow in that process. Like revel in that, take pride in that, be strong in that so you're growing rather than shrinking. Now, one of the things that I love about this idea we can grow today, we can learn today, we can advance today. One of the things I love that Paul is trying to get at here, he's not trying to paint a picture where, where we just have to hang on for dear life as life smacks us around until Christ comes. 
He's not painting this gloom and doom picture that we so often view it as. What he's saying is if, if you would have the right perspective, if you would have the right approach, you can flourish today. Like you can thrive, you can grow now. So he's not saying just hang on till Christ returns. He's saying get focused on today, get better today, grow today. But it's all about your perspective in the suffering. How are you viewing it? How are you looking at this? What are you learning from this? Last week, I was listening to a leadership message from John Maxwell, and uh, he was talking about how in his career, one of the things that he's done is he every week has what's called a learning lunch, a learning lunch. So what he does is he reaches out to the most successful people that he knows, and he takes them out to lunch, and he basically just interviews them and tries to learn from how they've become so successful. What are you doing? What are your processes? What are your habits? And he said the one question he asks every single person is, tell me the greatest learning lesson that you've ever had in your life. The greatest learning lesson, tell me what it is. And he said every single person, 100% of the time, will go back to the worst moment in their lives. Their greatest learning lesson came in the worst moment of their lives. This is the perspective that we have to have. Rather than letting it beat us down and defeat us, we have to figure out how we can grow, how we can learn from it. That has to be our perspective, okay? So let's get the bigger picture. Let's understand the greater scheme of what's going on, and let's make sure we're growing in the process. But there's one more thing that I think Paul is trying to get us to understand as well, and this might give you the, the greatest hope today. This might be the thing that you really need to grasp in your life today. And it's simply that he wants to understand that God is with us. He wants us to understand that God is with us. Now we say things like this a lot, but I want you to just read that and understand what that means for you. He loves you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you wherever you go. We were just talking about this in, in one of our bridge builder classes this past week. We were talking about God's omnipresence, which means that he is everywhere all at once with his entire being, which means it's not like he's 10% in this room and then you know, like 5% at your home and then 10% elsewhere. He is everywhere all at once with his entire being. Now that's not something that we can completely comprehend, but it does serve to give us hope that no matter what we're going through, he is with us entirely encompassing us regardless of what the situation is. And this is what Paul is gonna try to get us to understand towards the end of this chapter. This is what he says in verse 31. I love how he sets this up. He says, what then shall we say to these things? What shall we say to, to, to the suffering and to the pain, to the agony? What are we gonna say to these things? Look what he says next. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who could possibly be against us? Why are you trying to magnify the suffering and the pain in your life? God is for you. Nothing could possibly be against you. He says this in verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, what could possibly separate you from the love of Christ. Now, I want you to realize again the reality of what he's saying because Paul is saying, you're, you're likely to go through some of these things. It's not like he's saying these aren't gonna happen to you. He's saying tribulation, yes, persecution, yes, peril. Yeah, you're probably gonna go through that. 
But again, he compares it to one simple thing, which is the love of Christ. And he comes up with the same outcome, doesn't compare. There's no comparison. The sufferings of this life compared to the love of Christ for us. Again, this is our hope. This is our strength today. Today we can lean on this and cling to this. But I want you to watch how he wraps this up in verse 37. He says this, after talking about all the suffering and and the pain and all the things we can try to do, he concludes with this. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Listen, all of these things, all of the worries, all of the stress, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now, did you catch the way he sets this up? Because he says, in all these things. He doesn't say after all these things. He doesn't say if you maybe get through all these things. He says, in these things, we're gonna thrive. In these things, we're gonna win. In these things, we're gonna overcome. This must be our perspective. Now, I found something really cool in my studies this week because I've always wondered, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? What exactly does that mean? Is that just kind of wording to to make it seem like something we can't really comprehend, like it's so great we can't even really comprehend it? And so I found this, and it was really enlightening for me in the perspective of this chapter. This is what I read. It says, when you're a conqueror, the things that you have overcome are dead. They're done, they're defeated, they're gone. But when you're more than a conqueror, The things that you've overcome are not just defeated, but they're actually now working in your favor, which means you've not just beaten an enemy, you've turned an enemy into an ally. And so catch this, going back to verse 35, tribulation and and persecution and, and peril, it's not just that we can overcome those things, it's that those things are being turned to benefit us, to strengthen us, they're being turned for our good. Because you know what he says in verse 28? He says, we know that, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. This is why he says this, because to the enemy's despair, all of these seemingly bad things are now being turned to benefit us, are now being turned to strengthen and equip us. That's why we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. If we had this perspective in our suffering, in our pain, the next time a problem came up, if we realized God is with me, who can be against me? He's, he's with me. So, so what is he trying to do through this? How can I learn from this? Because I know he's turning it for my good. What would happen? Nothing could break us. Nothing could tear us down. Nothing could discourage us if we had the perspective that Paul is talking about here in Romans 8. Please stand with me. I really, really, really enjoyed getting to, to dig into these things this past week. And, um, and in fact, I, I found so much rich content when it came to this subject in Scripture. In fact, I had the hardest time taking uh, much of it out of it because I could have gone scripture through scripture through scripture. In fact, I would encourage you, go look this stuff up, go Google persecution and how we should respond in scripture. I'm telling you, there's so much goodness in there. But there's one section of scripture that I couldn't tear out today. And so I wanna read this to you now. This is another one of the Apostle Paul's writings. So there's some continuity here still. But this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
starting in verse 8. And I want you to see the parallels in this section of Scripture compared to what we read earlier. This is how he starts. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now think about the perseverance that he's talking about here. In fact, in one of the translations, I read the word stubborn. Like, like if we could just be stubborn when it comes to our sufferings and our, our pain, like nothing's gonna tear us apart. Nothing's gonna break us down. We're gonna make it through regardless of what's going on. But then this is what he says in verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Sounds like growing in the process. But here's verse 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There's that perspective again. Did you notice how he puts this? The light momentary affliction that we're dealing with. Like it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's not even a comparison when we think about the eternal weight of glory that is to come. There's so much here that can help us as we go through the times in life that try to beat us down because they are gonna come. We are gonna deal with them. We are gonna experience them but we have to understand where God is leading us, what he's trying to do through it, how we can grow from it. So I wanna I want to end today with how Paul began this chapter. And I just want to, to remind you of who you are. Remember I said at the beginning, the first 16 verses, he just reminds us over and over again, this is, who you are, and I need you to hang on to this. I need you to, to put a tight grip on it so that when you go through something, you have the right perspective. And this is who you are. You are a child of God. You are free. You are alive. And never forget that. 